0: In today's rapidly changing world, we all have questions, and we all want answers. It's on this program that we get our answers from the Word of God. It's time for another episode of A Relevant Word, with longtime pastor and best-selling author, Carl Gallups. Welcome to A Relevant Word with Pastor Carl Gallops of the Pensacola, Florida area. I'm Kevin King, and uh, Carl, we were just talking about what... Uh, What we're going to title today's lesson, today's show, and it's The Formula for Daily Christian Living. We all want to know what this is. Like, uh, Give us give us the ABCs
1: of exactly yeah. what this formula is. Well, I can do that, uh-huh. not because I'm so smart, but but because <laughs> the Bible gives the ABCs. You have the manual. I've got the manual, and yeah. I've read it, by the way. The instruction book, I actually uh, read the instructions before right. I assemble something. Actually, I'm lying. I'm a man. I don't do that. But, but for the Word of God, I do. <laughs> okay? So, yeah, a formula for daily Christian living. Now, that's important. I know that sounds... M- maybe a little you know stretched or fabricated there but but think about it is there a i mean listen I have some really good days serving the Lord, and I have some really stinky ones. Do you, Kevin? Are you that way, brother? I mean, do you have some bad days serving oh, never, the Lord? never, Carl. You never? never. <laughs> okay. I mean, there's some days at the end of the day I have to hit my knees say, Lord, forgive me. Don't kill me in my sleep. <laughs> I mean, because I'll try to do it better tomorrow, I promise. More Mondays and than Fridays. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, and I'm a pastor. I'm just being honest with you. I don't have a big S on my T-shirt when I open my shirt up that says Superman. I'm just a guy. But I do love the Lord with all my heart. I am born again. I do have the Holy Spirit in me that convicts me when I've stepped outside of, of, of God's parameters and not he's, I'm not doing the best he wants me to do. So the point is we all have those days, but not just those days, but life. We live in a fallen world. We live under Satan's domain. It's filled with filth and lies and lawlessness and, and, and you know, right being called wrong and wrong being called right and truth being thrown to the ground. And, constant pressure on us to accept these social constructs and political correctness and sometimes we get sucked up in it for a while before we even know it and we can be deceived and then sometimes we just give in to our flesh we think things we ought not to think we say things we ought not to say sometimes we do things we ought not to do and at the end of the day we think who am i what Why am I even trying? I I just can't do this. And there are a lot of people listening right now. Maybe you right now listening. You're you're the one (laughs) that relates to what I'm saying. You're saying, you know what? He's talking right to me. Well, but here's the deal. The word of God does give us some principles, some stuff you can sink your teeth into that will In other words, let me just say it like this. This is the way I live my life as a pastor. And I have been decades and decades and decades in one church pastoring on the Gulf Coast. And I love my people, and they seem to love me, but it's not because I'm the Mr. Perfect One. It's that they've seen me live this life. And that is, how do you live consistently for the Lord, even when you mess up? What's the secret? What is it? Well, it's the strength of God is the secret, of course. But let's get down to some nuts and bolts. First of all, I'm going to be speaking to you today. I'm going to read to you in just a few moments right out of the book of Philippians. Let me do a setup here. Who wrote the book of Philippians? Well, the apostle Paul. Well, who was he? Well, first of all, he wrote almost half the New Testament documents. Well, what was he before he did that? Did he sit down and say, hey, I'm going to write the New Testament? No, he never did that. He wrote letters to churches because his life had been transformed in Jesus Christ. And then the churches would share those letters around and people's lives were being changed, people being brought to the Lord. And so they were compiled. And so the church churches were using them preaching them teaching them because they were so anointed they were heaven sent these these words these letters these messages Paul wrote them well who was Paul before he was saved those of you that have known the words, you know this, but let me just, I'm speaking to some people that are brand new in their faith. So I'm, I'm speaking to you too. Before he was saved, he was a Pharisee. You're going to hear him say that in just a moment. A Pharisee of Pharisees, a Hebrew of Hebrews. What's that? A big teacher of the law, a big important person in the synagogues of 2000 years ago in the Roman empire. And, and so, so he was on his way. He persecuted the church because the church primarily was being made up of Jews in the early days because it was the Jewish people coming to their, what they thought was the Jewish Messiah, Yeshua Hamashiach in Hebrew or Jesus the Christ Messiah. And they were being saved. Rabbis were being saved. Priests were being saved. Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea, those guys were all on the Sanhedrin Council. They, you know, they're followers of Jesus. And so he is filled with rage because he sees that what he thinks the Jewish faith being torn apart when it's not. It's the Messiah. They had longed for, fulfilling all the scriptures had come, but he couldn't see it. He was blinded by the power, the prestige, the importance of who he was, the money that could be made by being this high, important religious figure. So he was all caught up in that. You'll hear him say that in just a moment, but he was on his way to put Christians in jail, to invade these Christian churches. And when I say churches, they didn't have buildings with steeples and a sign out front like we have now. They were meeting in homes. They were meeting in closed businesses at night. They were meeting whenever they could and wherever they could, kind of an underground church. They were pretty public at first, but then before long, the whole Roman government got in on persecuting them, and then they did literally have to go underground to the catacombs and everything else. History bears that out. But in the meantime, the apostle Paul is tracking them down, and on his way to Damascus, Syria, he's on the Damascus Road. He has an encounter with the resurrected Christ, Jesus, who's already resurrected, ascended. But now the church has been born. Paul is hunting them down like dogs, trying to kill them. Some of them he did. Some of them he put in prison. And he meets the resurrected Christ. Anyway, the short story, you can read all of that in Acts chapter 9 and following. But he he is turned upside down, or let's say his life is turned right side up. And, and he's born again, he's saved, and, and he's a believer now in Yeshua. In the meantime... He spends the rest of his life preaching the gospel, show, telling people this is real. I have met the resurrected Christ. I've had an. I know what I'm talking about. And in his case, it wasn't just a, a quote inward spiritual thing. It was a physical, literal incarnation before his eyes, and everything that happened from that. And so now, we come into several decades after all of that. Paul is now this bishop, if you will, to the churches all over the Roman Empire. He's well-known. He's well-loved, mostly well-loved. There are people out there in jealousy. They're attacking him. False teachers are out there trying to pull people out of the churches and back into the synagogues. All these things are happening. Paul's having to battle it all. His own people, the Jews, they are attacking him continually. They consider him to be a traitor. they file false false charges on him. They accuse him of starting riots in Jerusalem around the temple area. Paul goes to jail a few times. He goes, he's held down at Caesarea Philippi on the, uh, I mean, excuse me, at Caesarea. Uh, Caesarea Philippi is up in the north end of Israel. Caesarea is right outside of what we would now call modern-day Tel Aviv area down on the Mediterranean. But he's down there held in a Roman fortress, uh, and getting ready before long, he will appeal to Caesar and will be shipped across the Mediterranean to Rome, where he will be uh, uh, taken to court there and, and into Caesar's custody. But in the meantime, Paul's suffering all of these things and so much more because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And in the meantime, he's he's led people to the Lord. He's, he's mentored pastors and church leaders and deacons. He's got young men that he's led to the Lord and trained them to be pastors. Timothy, Titus, we find his letters to them in the New Testament, for example. There are others as well. Um, there are women that he has ministered to and led to the Lord. They are important people in the church, and he's, he writes about them and to them in some of his letters. So all of this is happening with Paul but he winds up in prison again paul would eventually be martyred in 67 ad nero would cut his head off uh but in the meantime paul is writing letters and uh, of instruction of encouragement sometimes of chastisement to some churches that have gone astray and they've sucked up some of the false teaching or they're tolerating areas of wickedness and sin within the church body that they shouldn't be, and Paul has to address that. Sometimes he's answering questions. First Corinthians is a good example of that. The, the Corinthian church wrote Paul and asked him, well, what about this? What if you're a person, you're married to an unbeliever? Can you get a divorce? And what if this? And what if that? And, what and Paul answers all of those and so much more. So that's who Paul is. So when you hear these words in a moment, you're going to understand this guy has been shipwrecked. He has been beaten. He has been, uh, he has been stoned a few times. To I mean, I, they tried to kill him. Um, he's had to escape, uh, lowered over a wall of a city in a basket, trying to get away from the, the governor of that territory that was going to kill him. Um, and on and on and on it goes. Even people in the church that were jealous of him, that hated him, or were sent as basically spies and underminers of the early church movement, and they had to get rid of Paul. They had to take out the shepherd so that the sheep would scatter, so to speak. So Paul was constantly under attack and under lies. He 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 was a part. Of, he he was being canceled by the cancel culture. He was the victim of fake news. Um, I mean, everything that happens to us now, except we've got technology driving what happens to us. But the same stuff was happening to him with the low grade technology, but yet word of mouth in that day. And in the meantime, he's not too far from being martyred. But he writes a church in Philippi, in what's now an area of of Greece, modern-day Greece, up in that area, part of the Roman Empire. And he writes that church because he's been there. He's been directly connected to that church. And he's ministering to him. And they've sent people to help him while he's in prison and to love him and to take care of him. And he writes them. And he says to them, look what's happened to me look who I am, but look what God is doing with me. This is how I live my life, and I'm telling you, it works. This is how you should daily live your life, and it will have eternal consequences for you. When we come back from the break, that's what I'm going to dive right into. Now that you have the whole background, We'll dive right into this and we'll find out the formula for daily Christian living. How can a man like Paul for decades be under that kind of scrutiny and attack and yet come out on the other side certain of his faith and strong and used by God? More after the break on a Relevant Word with Pastor
0: Carl Gallops. For more on Pastor Carl or to listen to his podcast anytime, visit carlgallops.com. For more on Pastor Carl, or to listen to his podcast anytime, visit carlgallops.com. Welcome back to Irrelevant Word with Pastor Carl Gallops. It's the formula for daily Christian living. Pastor is using uh, Paul as an example. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we live the formula that Paul was living, not many people want to be thrown in jail or or take the steps that he took. Yeah. But how are you
1: but you're going to make this all relevant to us today. Yeah, and Paul gives his testimony in several places. He gives some of it right here in Philippians chapter 3, but in several other books, Galatians, uh, uh, Corinthians, um, he, he actually lists things that he's been through, things that have happened to him. I mean, to the gory detail. You'll get a little bit of hint of that here, but the purpose is he's in prison now as he's writing to the church at Philippi. And he's writing about the false teachers and the people that are accusing him, the cancel culture of his day, the the fake news of his day. And, And they're accusing him of somehow being a fake or a fraud. And these people are known, the people he's writing about, they're known to be religious Jewish Orthodox zealots who are trying to pull the Christians out of their churches and back into the synagogues under the power of the rabbis. And so Paul is infuriated by this, but he calmly explains to the church, look, uh, don't fall for that. And he said, they're out there saying, I'm not. Qualified, and now he's going to give a few of his qualifications. But, you know, he's embarrassed to do so. In fact, he says so in several of his other books. He says, look, I'm embarrassed that I even have to. I feel like I'm writing a resume. I shouldn't have to do that. But he says, but I'm being lied about so much. I want to set the record straight. Well, he kind of does that again here in Philippians. But then he breaks in to this beautiful understanding of how to live for the Lord day by day by day, even in Satan's world and still be used of God, and be ultimately victorious. So let's go to chapter three, verse four. And if you don't have your Bible with you, or if you're driving down the road, please don't don't open your Bible. (laughs) Just, Just listen to me. You check this out later, but it's in Philippians chapter three, verse four. Paul says, so if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, in other words, he's saying, if they think they've got a resume, boy, I've got one. He says, I have even more than they do. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. In other words, he's as Jewish as you can get. Of the tribe of Benjamin. He even knows his tribal heritage. A Hebrew of Hebrews, especially in regard to the law. A Pharisee. As for zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. As for legalistic righteousness, I was Faultless before my peers. And then he says, But whatever was to my profit back then, I now consider it all to be rubbish or loss for the sake of Christ, for the sake of serving Jesus. He says, What's more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, and what that means is all the rules and regulations the rabbis made up around the Word of God. He says, but instead a righteousness that is found in Christ and righteousness that comes by God and it is by faith. All right, now that's the setup. But we're going to get into some nuts and bolts in a moment. But what he's saying is, he said, look, you've got to make up your mind. Are you going to run after the things of this world, power, influence, riches and wealth? And there's really nothing wrong with having influence or power or riches. But when that's the goal of your life, that's what Paul's saying. He said, all that used to be the goal of my life. And he said, and there was nobody better at it than me. He says but now that I've met Christ and he's changed my heart and my life and now I understand the eternity of all of it where I'm actually headed what life is all about that I'm only here for a few decades but then I'm I'm I but I live forever eternity he says now that I got that perspective he says that I count everything else I was working for for my whole life investing my whole life, willing to crush people, willing to kill people. He literally did. He hunted down Christians. He was a bounty hunter. He got paid. Plus, he knew he was going to be put on the Sanhedrin one day because he was earning his way. And he said, that was all trash. That was garbage. That was rubbish. I counted as loss. So let me just say to those of you listening, you listening right now, let me just say to you, take an in inventory of your own life. That's where you got to start. I mean, you can say, well, I, I go to church. I've been a member all my life, so th- th- therefore I'm okay with the Lord. Maybe, maybe not. Jesus said not everybody just says, Lord, Lord's is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father, not the will of Satan. And you, and you might be saying, well, I would never do the will. Well, if your whole life is wrapped up in, 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 in how much money you can get, how much power you can get, how much influence you can get, how much prestige you can get, no matter the what it costs, That's Satan's way. And so there are a lot of people. I mean, even pastors, even church workers, even people who don't mind telling somebody how to be saved. But yet their life is all wrapped up in the things of the world. And that's why Jesus said, what does it profit a person to gain the whole world but then lose your soul? So Paul is saying, I'm not going to lose my soul. I've been there. I've tried that. So I am focusing on the things of God first and foremost. Now, let's get into the nuts and bolts. Verse 12, Paul says, not that I've already obtained all of these things. In other words, he says, I'm not, I'm not perfect. In fact, he says, nor have I already been made perfect in any way. He says, but here's how I do it. Watch this. And I'm, I'm going to put this in our language in a moment so you, you, you can sink your teeth into it. But listen to what he says. He says, but rather I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I I do not consider myself yet to taking hold of it. In other words, I'm not all arrogant, egotistical, thinking I'm some perfect Christian. He says, but one thing I do, I forget what is behind me, and I strain on towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And then he says, all of us who are mature, that means mature in the Lord, mature in the word, mature in perspective, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, then God will show you. He'll make it clear. In other words, he's saying, I'm not lying about this. He said, I'm right about this. There is a perspective. There's the worldly perspective, and there's God's perspective. When I came out of the worldly perspective and came over to God's way, he said, my whole life has changed. Yes, I've suffered. Yeah, but it's the world that's coming against me. It's Satan. Of course, he hates my guts. Of course, we live in Satan's domain. I'm an ambassador for Christ. Of course, Satan has a target on my back. Of course, bad things will come my way. But in the midst of it, God is there with me. He's seeing me through. He's protecting for me. He's providing for me. And at the end of it all, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That's what those scriptures mean. Paul knew that. He understood that the that that the perspective has got to be an eternal one. It's got to be a heavenly one. As a matter of fact, he actually says that. But let me keep going because we're getting we're getting deeper into the nuts and bolts of how this applies to you, how it becomes relevant for your life. So he says, so forgetting what's behind, straining on towards what's ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize to which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. Then look at verse 12. He says, now, join with others. He's talking to the whole church now in following my example, brothers. Now, he's just saying, look, I'm a human example. He's saying, I'm not Jesus. I'm not saying that I'm the one to follow, but but I'm living for Jesus. And you see how I'm attacked. You see how I'm lied about. You see how I'm falsely put in prison. But yet you see God using me, blessing me, anointing me in your life, now in your family's life, protecting me until he's ready to call me home. And he says, that's what I want you to watch. He says, follow my example, brothers, and take note of those who living acor- live according to the pattern we gave you. He says, for as I have often told you before and now say again, even with tears, many people live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Boy, don't we know that. He says, their destiny is destruction and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, which by his power will bring everything under his control and transform us in the midst of it. So the point is, folks, and I say this often to my own church family, I say to them, listen, living for the Lord day by day by day is not so much about perfection as it is direction. Now I want you to hear that again. Living for the Lord day by day. This is how I live, Kevin. This is how I do it. It's it's not. I don't. I don't get up and say I'm going to be perfect today. Boy, I was perfect yesterday. I'm going to be perfect. I can. I've never been able to say I was perfect yesterday. Much less I'm going to be perfect today. But but what I can. What I say is I'm going to do my very best with God's help. I don't know the circumstances that are coming to my life today. I don't know what way this world's going to turn, but the whole time it turns, I'm going to try to keep a heavenly perspective, an eternal perspective. I know I'm in enemy territory. I'm an ambassador for the kingdom. My life, God is not measuring by the absolute perfection of it today, but here's what the Lord is measuring. He's measuring the direction of our life. So when we stumble and fall, notice I said when... We pick ourselves up, we make it right with the Lord, and if we need to make it right with someone else, we do that, and watch, we keep serving the Lord. It's not about perfection, it's about direction. I've been preaching the Word for many, many decades. There are many times I've gotten in the pulpit over those many, many years and said, thus saith the Lord, and I didn't really feel like saying it. The world had beat me down. And people would say, well, isn't it being a hypocrite for you to do it anyway? No, it's called being obedient. It's called, it's not about perfection at every single moment. It's about direction. If you can keep that in your mind as you go through this world, keep your eyes on Jesus, you will succeed. And Paul has given us some wonderful examples, and thank you for uh,
0: thank you for sharing that today. Thank you. Uh, daily
1: Christian Life. Yeah, thanks. I could talk another hour about yeah. it, but we don't have time. There's so much more to it. But folks, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you always more
0: than ever we need to listen to god he still speaks through his word the bible each week pastor gallops shares what the word of god is saying even now a relevant word with longtime pastor and best-selling author carl gallops to access pastor carl and to listen to his podcast anytime visit carl thanks for listening